Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of Disney Channel Original Newbies. I'm Joanna. And I am Sam. And we are going to talk about the 11th Disney Channel original movie, Don't Look Under the Bed. This movie came out in 1999, which is a great year. October 9th, 1999. That day doesn't seem memorable at all to me. How about to you? Although I don't remember the exact events of the day, I'm pretty sure my mother does because October 9th is my birthday, but 1999 is not my birth year. Oh, you weren't born that year. No. Wow, you turned 10 years old. Yeah, I did. I was 10 years old when this movie came out. Yeah, so 1999, where everyone's worried about Y2K, and uh, that's all I remember about 1999. So just generally about this movie... Again, it's called Don't Look Under the Bed. It's about a town called Middleburg, I think it's called. A very unoriginal name, Middleburg. Yes, and I think at some point they say the next town over his name, and it's Centerville. So yeah. they were like, <laughs> generic town, USA. Yeah, that's what Left town was just left to that town, but they didn't go there yet. Wrightville was uh, north. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Very strange. They're throwing us off. There's a lot of weird things going on in in Middleburg, and the protagonist, Francis Bacon, has to figure out, I don't know if she doesn't has to find out, but it's up to her, really, to figure out what's going on, because she's seeing things, she's hearing things, and she's in charge of making things right in the world. I would say that she does have to figure it out, because the premise of the movie, the boogeyman, is causing all this ruckus around town i would call it a hullabaloo um, Ooh, a hullabaloo i like that the boogeyman is up to some shenanigans and everyone is blaming francis so if francis does not solve the mystery of what's going on she will continue to be blamed for all of these things that she is not doing yes the entire town is not on purpose but kind of because of someone else is gaslighting Francis throughout the entire movie, as well as her friend leading her on the way. Yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis <laughs> of this movie. Uh, everyone in the town, mostly Francis, is being gaslit. Gaslighted? Gaslit? It's gaslit. Gaslit. Yeah. Okay. It's lit. <laughs> it's with gas. That's what that's short for. <laughs> you didn't know that? Oh, this is like you teaching me something like I taught you about swag. Yeah, it's lit means it's <laughs> gaslit. So my first question, my first thing I wrote down about this movie was a question, is in the very beginning, there's some someone talking over some opening shots, and the person very distinctly had a pretty bad lisp. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. And I was like, I really hope. That the main character in this movie doesn't have a lisp. Which, she didn't really have a lisp. It was just in that opening part. Like, that monologue. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I kind of thought, you know what? This might be a little annoying to watch. But good for them for having representation of a kid with a lisp. Because a lot of kids have lisps. So, do you uh, think that was the main girl doing the voiceover? I think so. I mean, maybe she like burnt her tongue that day, 
I don't know what was going on. And they couldn't um, find anyone else to do it. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, my God, we're out of time. Just oh, do your thing and we'll hope for the best. Come on, Francis. Um, yeah, I think that was her. I don't know why she had a, had a lisp there and nowhere else, but there you have it. Yeah, that was very strange. And during her opening monologue, she talks about logic a lot. And throughout the movie, again, talks about logic all the time. Not the rapper, but just the uh, way of analyzing the world. I feel like the way that logic the rapper raps and how fast that he can go is not logical. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out. Every time she mentioned logic, all I could think about was Ben Shapiro. And how she's like the young female version of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> There's no logical way that the boogeyman is able to be underneath the bed. <laughs> And the portal wouldn't work because there's no way the gravity, the gravitational pull, there's no way three of them could fit under the bed. That's all I can think about. I hope that somewhere on YouTube there exists a clip of this movie with Ben Shapiro's face on Francis's body. You just have to speed up her talking and then that's it. It sounds just like Ben Shapiro. I did not think about that at all, but now I'm not going to stop uh, thinking about every it. Every time she mentioned the word logic, I was like, oh, oh my, my God, God, please stop it. <laughs> but as we learned from this movie, logic doesn't matter. So there we go. It's the moral of the story. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good talk. Uh, right, see so you next heard, time. Yeah, yeah what's the next enough. movie? <laughs> all right. So I guess I'll go over some stuff that happens early on. Like I said, that this girl francis 14 years old she lives in middleburg there is it opens up pretty early on you know there's some sort of monster in her house walking around her house being creepy but you don't really get a good look at what the monster looks like i think no it's mostly just an ominous shadow yeah and you mm -hmm. see and you think it's the mother too at first they kind of do a trick because they had the mother open the door like yawning and you're like oh my god it's the monster it's like oh no it's just her mother so the first time that we saw the shadow you know it's the monster. And then the next time it happens, I think because the alarms go off. Um, oh, we'll the, get into the alarms. Yeah, we'll get into the alarms. I don't know. I kind of just knew it was the mother for some reason. I think as you see her get out of bed and she's like, oh, is Francis up yet or something along those lines? So you see like Francis's uh, door right, open. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they tried. It was, it was a little, they tried to make it creepy, but it was a little and, cute. Yeah. And so what happens is that it's supposed it's quote unquote 7 a.m but all the clocks are off by three hours and no one understands why they think it's just their family but they come to know that the entire town's alarm clocks went or all their clocks in general went three hours forward fall forward spring back <laughs> oh and also all the dogs are on top of roofs of course yeah. because no prank is complete unless a dog ends up on a roof all right, so I, I'll wait till I ask this overarching question until later. So there's a bunch of dogs on roofs. The entire town is waking up at what they think is 7 o'clock, but it's actually 3 o'clock. Yep. Early on, we meet um, Francis's best friend, Joanne. I think it was. Joe? Joanne? Joanne, who we see for like two scenes and then never see or hear from again. We see her later on. Yeah, oh, that's the like second the scene. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we know that she has a crush on Bert, who is Francis's older brother, mm -hmm. who I think may maybe see his face twice in the entire movie. I think we see it at least four times. Uh, four times, you yeah. think? Yeah. Oh, we got paid more well than for that. Joanne's. 
Yes, I agree. I think we I think we also see the monster on one of the roofs trying to bait a dog that come up on the roof. Um, we see a dog biscuit tied to a string. Yes, yes, yes. like fishing for dogs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's very strange. So Joe, not Joanna, but Joanne, and Francis get to school, and Francis sees a guy like sitting on a rock in front of the school wearing sunglasses, and he does this like 12 times in the movie, like takes his sunglasses down a little bit to like look over the top of his shades. He's and just, just like, like looking he's at looking her. cool. And she's like, whoa, who's that guy over there? And Joe's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? That rock? Yeah, it's a rock. It's always been there. So Francis is like, oh, I could have sworn I just saw someone there. And he's on the roof now, but no one else could see this guy, which is a recurring theme. And one of my least favorite things about this movie, but a recurring theme is her seeing this guy and no one else being able to see him. I was okay with it. There's a one, we'll get into it, but there's one thing about it that annoyed me. Okay. Don't you worry. You'll you'll tell me. I'll let you know. You'll unload. (laughs) And... She, I think she just goes to school the rest of the day. We find out that she has a younger brother named Darwin mm-hmm. who had some medical condition and that her older brother gave him bone, bone marrow. marrow. Mm-hmm. What does that entail, giving bone marrow? Isn't it just like, it's like surgery or do they just like use a syringe? Like, I don't understand. Um, It is surgery. Um, I don't know much more about it. Like, I feel like I'd rather give bone marrow than, like, give a kidney or something. It seems way less invasive. Yeah, but I don't think that it's... I still don't think it's an easy procedure. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And it is common. So, in this case, uh, Darwin had leukemia, and he needed a bone marrow transplant. And Francis was not a match, so she could not help him. Um, But his brother was... Right. Um, and that does happen frequently where some family members are a match and others are not. Also a thing that happens in this movie, which is also done in, it made me think of the Maze Runner, is so she's Francis Bacon. The younger brother is Darwin. And what was the old, Bert? What was Bert, the, Albert. Albert, right, mm-hmm. right. It was short for Albert. So it's just. All scientists. Very smart people, which yeah. is the same exact thing they did in Maze Runner, which definitely came out. Well after this movie. Oh, yes, definitely. The books, yeah, for sure. So he stole. Come on, James Dashner, shame on you. How dare he? So that's kind of the backstory to what's going on. I think during that first day at school, Francis starts talking to the guy, and he's like, whoa, you could see me? What's going on here? Like, he's freaked out that she could see him. But he should have already figured out that she can see him because they keep making eye contact. Yeah, I guess so. But it's probably mm-hmm. just like, why would she be able to see me? Well, we'll go into that later. But why would she be able to see me? She's too old, basically. But I mean, the first time I could see like, okay, it's a coincidence. But they continue to make eye contact. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Just throwing it out there. And a lot of pranks are going on. Like a lot of eggs are thrown on one of her teacher's cars. A teacher that she said that she liked and that he liked her as a student, yeah. which definitely did not come across at any point. A lot of animosity immediately on his part against her. Yeah. Maybe because he was mad about the car. Well, I feel like even before that, um, when they were just in class, he didn't really seem to like her as a student. Well, I think I mean, he, he was skeptical about her. the clocks thing and thought that she had something to do with it. I think that's what, like, 
raise some red flags for him. Maybe. I don't know. There was no point where it seemed like he liked her as a student. Oh, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should also mention that Francis skipped a grade. Yeah. So she's young for a freshman. But did that matter? Um, It comes into play later when she's like in the meeting with the guidance counselor and everything. And they're like, "Uh, maybe you're just not adjusting well. And this is how you're uh, acting out. Yeah, it's possible. But that was kind of the only time that it mattered. Yeah. Um, And a lot of pranks are going on at the school. So besides the eggs thing, the entire pool is just red jello, which you would think you'd be able to notice before you dive into it, which some girl did and got stuck into it. But yeah, surprise, she didn't die. Very she weird. was really stuck in there. She ate her way out. Mm, yummy. Uh, Hope she wasn't a vegetarian. Some bees attacked a teacher. I don't think we know who that was. There was a lot of water in the school buses. Someone was graffitiing all over the school. So just pranks going on in the school and I guess all over town, too, because we know the dogs are all over the roofs. It's very strange. And it seems like except for the graffiti, most of these pranks are pretty dangerous. People could get seriously hurt. From the bees? Oh, yeah. You know, people could die. <laughs> and the jello because from the way that girl got stuck. She can't breathe in there. Can you not breathe in jello? You know what? I've never fully immersed myself in jello so i'm just never done that i'm just guessing you've never done that no i haven't i don't believe that for a second joanna i mean you you believe what i'm speaking the truth i don't know if this is the next day or how many days this all took place over but at some point she gets to school and everyone's just waiting outside the school and not moving at all and she's like what's going on here and then once the bell rings everyone just starts walking into the school that was pretty creepy yeah that was creepy did you ever see the movie The Faculty? No. Oh, man. It's so good. It's with Josh Hartnett. Oh, such a dreamboat. The guy from Lord of the Rings. What's his name? Which one? There's so the many. The main them. guy. Main guy. Frodo? Yeah. Elijah Wood? Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. And it's these students that are going to a school. And people are at the school are acting weird, kind of like this in a way. And people are like, getting killed in the school and attacked. And at one point, they go out to the football field, and all the football players are just, like, staring up into the moon with, like, like alien things coming out of them, just looking up into the sky. It's it's really creepy, but it's, like, such a good movie. There's a trope in, like, other movies they do this, but at one point, they put, like, powder into pens, because they if you get hit with some, like, drug, and you have, like, the monster inside of you, mm-hmm. your body just, like, explodes, basically. So they, have to, like, so they have to, like, snort this powder. Oh, it's so good. Huh. All right. We can watch that, maybe. It's scary, though. Never mind. We can't watch it. <laughs> so it made me think of that, where they're just standing there, winning rounds with the football team and the faculty. That's all I could think about. Yeah. I thought I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think after, so that day, oh, that's when they, like, the bees are on all the lockers, and there's the bee inside of her locker. So everyone's like, okay, 100% it's Frances. She's messing with everyone. And then she finally talks with the imaginary person who was being weird. And she's the only one that could see. With those bees on the locker, I feel like that wasn't really a good argument for Francis being the prankster. If it was her, why would she skip her own locker? She would do it so that people didn't think it was her. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but... 
the spray paint was in her locker. No, there was a B spray painted in her locker. Right. How would that get in there? Someone broke into her locker. No, she would have done it. Why would she do that? She's alone with access to her own locker. Like if you were living in a community and Mm -hmm. all of your, everyone in the community's ice cream was stolen Uh and you went to someone's house that was locked and he opened the door and there's a ton of ice cream in there. That guy stole the ice cream because he's in his own locked house. That logic doesn't work for this. Why not? (laughs) Because it's not like she had cans of spray paint falling out. Someone just spray painted a bee inside her locker. But how, she how, would it get have... in, how would the ice cream get to that guy's house? We're not talking about ice cream. We're talking <laughs> about spray paint. And someone could easily steal the combination from her locker and do that and frame her. Dis- disagree. Hard disagree. Mm-hmm. All right. So she finally talks to the imaginary person who goes by the name of Larry Houdini. Pretty great. It may... I'm not exaggerating. The best name of any character so far in any of these movies. And it's a Bar really none. good name, spoiler, for an imaginary friend. Like, that's totally a name that a kid would come up with. I'm just putting this together now. Mm-hmm. So her whole family, Francis Bacon, Albert Einstein, um, what was the last one? Darwin. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they're all logic because they're all smart people. And her parents are very the same way. Houdini, magic. Yeah. Not logic. Yep. Illogical. Mm-hmm. There we go. Wow. Did you know that? Uh, well, I hadn't put it together like that, but I did know those things okay. separately. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So she finally talks with him, and he's potentially the most flamboyant human in the history of the world during this conversation. Yes, that's accurate. Well, because he's not really a person. We'll find that out Imaginary later, friend. Yeah. He has the personalities of all the children that he's been friends with. He's Peter Pan. Yeah, he is. He is Peter Pan. He tells her about the boogeyman and how everything that's going on right now in the community is because of the boogeyman. And she doesn't believe him for one second because it's illogical. It is illogical, but it's also illogical that she can see him and no one else can. Right. So getting to what annoyed me about this, he tells her straight up, no one could see me besides you. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear because he's like standing on the cafeteria table, doing all these weird things, like standing behind people, standing in front of people. No one's reacting to it whatsoever. And then she gets up on the table and is like, hey, who else could see this guy? Everyone's like, you're crazy, girl. No one could see what you're talking about and just laugh her out of the room. She leaves the room. And then like four more times throughout the movie... She's like, no the one same can see thing this happens. guy. Yeah. And then it's like, Avi, you should have known this the first three <laughs> times. It was told, it was explicitly told to you. And the entire school, all 400 people in the cafeteria at the same time were like, you are crazy. And she was like, oh, no, people could see him. Also, I think that the most unbelievable part of this movie is a freshman, a young freshman, because she skipped a grade standing up oh my God. on the top of a table in the cafeteria to make an announcement. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, would never happen, ever. <laughs> totally agree. 100% agree. That's when I knew this movie was truly <laughs> fantasy. Uh, she meets with the principal and like all the people at the school. And about, a guidance counselor. Yeah, and... like, I didn't care about any of those parts at all, to be yeah. honest. It was just like fluff, I guess. 
to show that people are like, what's going on with you? And they really, really cannot see him. Yeah, they run around the school chasing him. They're like, I don't see him. The one question I had is that he interacts with things in that are there already. Yeah, like the saxophone and but what's the going drums. on then? The saxophone's not moving in real life, right? Um, I kind of took it to be that he's not really interacting them because he could also, you know, just create things. Yeah, I mean, he was changing his outfit left and right. Oh, okay. Um, so I just felt like he was basically pulling them out of thin air. So she was just seeing the thing that wasn't actually going on. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I okay. got Does out he, of that. Like, take someone's food off their plate at some point in the cafeteria. I guess she just like created it when he did it. I don't know. It also doesn't um, matter, but yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to remember that. I'm not supposed that to breaks, remember that? Yeah, that, that breaks the logic of the movie. It breaks the fantasy rules. It breaks the Ben Shapiro rules? It breaks the Ben Shapiro rules. Oh, my God. Yes, magic has rules, and that broke the rules, and you're not supposed to remember. I'm very sorry. Mm-hmm. Some part after that, I think the boogeyman, like, gets into her room and, like, sneaks up on her and tries to grab her, but something happens to stop him at the last second. There's some, like, kind of hint that kids are being mind-controlled through the television. But that, I guess it kind of comes into play, but not really. No, I thought that was just a theory that the parents had. But, like, that kind of does happen later on with the kids at the library. Do you think that's, like, Um, what they were trying to play at, or? No, I think they were just highlighting how magical Larry is and that kids can see him. All right. Yeah. So, maybe just a, a... Maybe just the you, you were writer. digging pretty deep into it. No, no, maybe just the writer was like, TV is terrible. Let me make this movie for TV. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to your favorite part of the movie, I'm assuming, which is they go to the library, Larry and Francis. Yes, they do. At the library. Well, actually, before this, Bert tells. No, not Bert. What's the younger brother's name again? Darwin. Darwin tells her, Francis, Mm -hmm. that the kids at the park were talking about Larry. And And she's like, how did they see Larry too? Mm -hmm. And and Darwin's like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about whatsoever. Uh, Well, he says that Larry was talking to them and told them to keep the covers over their heads at night because that way the boogeyman wouldn't be able to get them. Right. And that's when Francis was like, Oh, so other people could see Larry besides me. Other people could see Larry. P.S. The boogeyman is not real. Grow up. So is it that... But she says it nicer. Right, right, right. Is it that once you don't remember your imaginary friend, you just, like, forget their name altogether? Because, like, presumably, Darwin knew who the boogeyman was, like, six months ago. So the way that they phrased it was that if you don't believe in your imaginary friend, so not necessarily that, necessarily that you don't remember them. Right. Um, but then would you know the he, name Larry? Yeah, but maybe he was taking it to the extreme. Oh, just like out of yeah. sight, out of mind. Right. Let's, okay, yeah. that's possible. So like he didn't naturally grow out of Larry. Okay, understood. Mm-hmm. And they go to the library where... There's like five or six little kids and they're watching Larry like put on a one man show instead of watching the TV, whatever show was on there. Well, 
first, they're just watching a TV with a story time on it, which yes. really good predictor of our current pandemic because libraries everywhere are doing virtual story times. Okay. Um, so that was kind was of reading rainbow that they were watching. Yeah. No, it wasn't uh, reading rainbow. That's a bummer. That would have been really funny though. Um, that they were just watching a regular story time. But yeah, that was kind of weird for me to watch. Because, because that's what's going on now. Yeah, because of what's going on now. That makes sense. Um, also, first, terrible librarian. Oh, she's so annoying. Oh, she's worse. Just shushing everyone. Oh, my God. Typical um, librarian. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't even go there. Um, also, where are the parents? Oh, no These parents. These kids they're, they're, are They're going five. around reading logic books. Come on. They, this is they just irresponsible. They say story time while the librarian vaguely watches over them, and they wander around the library. Ugh. Are they supposed to sit with their kids watching this show with them? Yes. No, that's ridiculous. Come on. You let your kid just watch the show and you walk around. That's what, what technology's it? for, to watch your kids for you. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah, terrible librarian. Terrible library policies letting these kids sit unattended. And this is the 90s. No crime was going on at the time. <laughs> of course. Not. Well, certainly not in, what was it, Middleburg? Canterbury, I think. Yeah, oh, Canterbury, yeah. The Centerbury and those tales. <laughs> they get oh, so they, they basically went to the library book. to get a book. Yeah, the boogie book, which is great. La Libre de Boogie. Yeah, which is very funny. And who was the author? Um, like the the man in the head or something. Very close, guy and head. And the book was dedicated to Larry. Fantastic Aww. author. Fantastic name of the book. Something that I would have written in like eighth grade if I was making up a fake book. Uh, maybe you did make up this book. Maybe this is your story of your imaginary friend. That'd be incredible. That you don't remember. Sam, how can you not remember stop, this? Stop taunting me. It's your life story. It's very mean of you. I mean, you're a hero, so I don't see how that's mean. Just throwing it out Oh, I'm there. Francis? Yeah. Oh, then yes, thank you. I'm Francis. <laughs> And Larry goes into the TV, stuff about that. And he talks to the kids about the boogeyman, saying that kind of watch out for the boogeyman, do these things, you won't be afraid. And that's how you kind of stay safe. Larry is giving them practical life-saving advice. And Francis is just putting Larry down. How dare she? The next scene, we have our kind of our first kind of jump scare, I would say, where... She goes to check under the bed, and then Larry, like, is on top of the bed and kind of scares her. Yeah, wearing a very cool outfit. I don't remember what he was wearing. His but... outfits were so cool. Oh, amazing. Throughout the entire movie. He changes every five minutes, and every, Which is uh, great. every outfit's better than the next. Do you think they did that on purpose? It was like, you're going to watch this movie and think that Larry cannot outdo himself, and he does. Every single time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is and this is also when Larry starts getting creepy. Like his yeah. eyes start turning purple a bit. His fingernails his, start growing mm-hmm. out. He gets a little wrinkly. Right. And we now realize that Larry is mad at her mm-hmm. for telling Darwin not to believe in like his imaginary friend anymore. And that the boogeyman isn't real. And we find out that he's mad about that because if a child stops believing in an imaginary friend before they're ready. Yep. 
then the imaginary friend turns into a boogeyman. That's exactly right. I thought that was a really cool premise. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Is that what the actual boogeyman is about or is that just a, a kind No of, idea. I've never looked into we'll do some boogeyman, boogeyman mythology. Yeah. We'll get that book from uh Yeah, the boogie book. From Halloween Town. Oh, I was gonna say from Halloween Town when they read about Oh no, I'm sorry. Under wraps when they read about all the monsters. Oh yeah. So we'll read the one about the boogeyman and we'll we'll figure all this out. Yeah, and uh the book will also just open directly onto the page we need. So absolutely. it's gonna be it's a, a real book. it's a real time saver. And this is also when Larry gets way out of line and taunts her for not giving bone marrow to darwin yeah that was kind of a low blow so over the top i'm not on his side for taunting her about this because not a great thing but i do understand his anger because he's turning into a boogeyman yeah he doesn't control seem great. i think he couldn't control himself is how what really happened there yeah he that was kind of uh the inside was slowly turning into a monster in addition to the outside totally mm-hmm. and that night there's some like smoke coming out under her bed. We see the boogeyman on the roof. There's kind of a scuffle between the boogeyman and, and Larry, Larry, who goes to like attack the boogeyman. I mm-hmm. don't know. And he falls off the roof. And that's when the parents wake up and they see a lot of weird stuff going on. And all the power in the town is off. Except, except for, for their house. Their Christmas which lights is, on their yeah. house. And Francis is outside. So the news comes. Heli- news helicopters come. Yeah, People it was trying very to interview weird. the parents. It's it was very weird. Very strange. So they decide to go away. And she asked if she could just stay in the house, which is like the I think whole the best issue here. Decision. What? I think that was the best decision for her to just stay in the house. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But the parents know that she's like being psychotic. She's seeing things. She like. Definitely was outside with all the power went mm-hmm. off in the town. And she's like, acting out. And she's like 14 years old. And like, yeah. you know what? You stay at home alone. We're, we're going to go. We're going to jettison out of here. Bye. You stay here. Yeah. Insane that the parents did that. See, this is the gripe I have with a lot of these Disney Channel original movies is that they just don't want the parents involved. They're like, hey, parents, get out of here. Let the kids do their own thing because it's yeah, more interesting. Much. Which is the opposite of Johnny Tsunami when kept the parents involved, very involved in the situation. And I think it made the movie better. Made this movie or Johnny Tsunami? Johnny Tsunami. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, also, talking more about the parents, really was not a fan of her parents. I think her mom was okay. Yeah, her mom at least tried to connect and tried to talk to her. Her dad Absolutely. was all about blaming her. Well, I think her dad had like some sort of like he was like a logical person too. And he didn't believe in like emotions and things like that. He was just like, this is how things work. This is how logic works. He's the grown up Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro Sr. <laughs> yeah. And she's Ben Shapiro Jr. Oh my God. But using logic, their daughter, Frances has never acted out before. She's never done anything like this. Some of the things that are happening, like, stealing all of the eggs all over town and egging a car while she's in class or turning all of the clocks back or putting everyone's dog on the roof there's no logical way that francis could have done that right i I don't think that they think she's done all these things but i think that they might think that she did the egg thing because the eggs are missing from the house and the jello thing because the jello is missing too is my guess 
I don't know. I still feel like she, was, she was in involved, school. All, maybe that she was involved, but she yeah. was still in school all day. How does she even have time to turn the pool into jello? She is the time turner. In that first scene, remember, oh, she gets the time turner from the oh, boogeyman. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then they don't explain it in the next three movies. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, JK. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, there's a few. I mean, so yeah, so they have the fight between them. The family leaves and Larry has an idea to make the boogeyman super old by shooting it with like some ray thing. I don't really know. And... Uh, uh, Charlie from Genius invented it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a quick cameo in this movie. <laughs> and it was shot in black and white, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that, that was scene. cool. And, Just out of you nowhere. know, definitely 100% channeling Frankenstein. Oh, 100%. Which was kind of cool. Without a doubt. And But now he's getting more and more like a boogeyman. Like his claws are like out of control. He likes the boogie juice that they Loves make. Loves the boogie juice. Oh, boogie juice is the best yeah so going to the boogie juice so the social worker comes over the house to have a dinner with them larry's in the kitchen making boogie goo i think they call it right was it boogie goo one of the two boogie something so he's making this and she's not there but it seems like he doesn't interact with things in real life but then here he is because all the stuff because the the mom can see yeah and she's like what is that disgusting smell yeah so she goes in she like oh and this gets the grossest scene. Oh. Literally grosser than Can of Worms. I'm putting a stamp on it. This scene was grosser than anything in Can of Worms. Oh, see, I thought Can of Worms was grosser. But this was this very close. Out. Yeah. So the social worker is like eating pudding, which already looks gross. Is eating pudding. And there's like, she pulls out a strand of sock from her mouth from the pudding she just ate. It was very gross. Oh, my God. And then gags for five years. Did you? Uh, there's no way you've seen this movie. But have you seen Drag Me to Hell? No. In a scene, it's a, it's a very scary movie. Like, freaked me out for sure. I couldn't sleep for a few nights after that. And I think it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. But she, like, has a string in her mouth. She mm-hmm. pulls it out, like a hair. And she keeps pulling and keeps pulling and keeps pulling. And that's all I could think about. When I started pulling this, thankfully it was like a short strand of sock, but oh my god! But she pulls it out really slowly. I felt the sensation of socks in my throat watching that. Ugh, it was pretty gross. Still think that can of worms was more gross. We'll we'll differ here. Disgusting. Both pretty gross. So we see that Larry starts eating the boogie goo because he's hardcore turning into a boogeyman. Oh yeah, and he—it's so tasty for him. Yeah, and this is when we find out if the kid stop, if the cops, if a child stops believing in an imaginary friend too soon, they their imaginary friend turns into a boogeyman, which is what's happening to Larry here. And now Larry's like full on a boogeyman. He kind of control it, but pretty much like totally looks like a boogeyman. He's which more... very good makeup too. Oh yeah, definitely more boogeyman than Larry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so Darwin goes into her room and the boogeyman grabs Francis him by goes the in. ankle and pulls him under the bed. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Fran- Darwin goes into Francis's yes. room. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now Darwin's in Boogie World. Did they say what it was? Um, He was. Un- yeah. Boogie World under the bed. Was it Boogie World? I just made that up. I don't know. 
It might have been Boogie World. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he's pulled um, onto the bed. Oh, we should say that he ends up there because he's stepped in some boogie juice. Yeah, yeah. So and tracked it upstairs. Yep. There's like a, a yelling scene between Larry and Francis where mm-hmm. she says that she was scared about the bone marrow and that although she, although she wasn't a match anyway, she would have been scared to kind of give him the bone marrow and that's mm-hmm. why she like had that conversation with him about like growing up mm-hmm. being strong and not like thinking about imaginary friends not thinking about things other things this is more important things basically and it c- take more of like a logical approach to stuff that's going on in the world and larry is kind of half boogeyman half larry at this point and you know he's yelling at her but he's also giving her pretty good advice by saying like in that kind of situation it's not only okay to be scared, but it's very normal to be scared because it's right. a scary situation. Right. And Larry starts going into the boogie world. We'll call, we'll call it boogie world. Yeah. Larry goes into boogie world. She follows him in. And it's like basically just First, like a, she has a really awkward talk with her dad. For no reason. Um, just added like two minutes to the movie. Yeah. Just awkward. Yeah. Dad is, you know, totally into my daughter is a crazy person now. It was just two Ben Shapiro's talking to each other. <laughs> a very logical conversation. <laughs> yeah, so she ends up going under the into the boogie world also. And again, their goal is to make the boogeyman old. old. They're gonna suck the youth out of the boogeyman. I think that's why they use a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Some weird stuff. So they're under the bed now or in Boogie World. And it's just basically just dystopian universe that's just under the bed like stuff that's under the bed is in this world yeah everything that anyone could ever lose under the bed is under the bed oh so it's just stuff that got lost yeah so that's not actually under the bed anymore right it got sucked into oh, the boogie world yeah so there's like that gross sandwich and yeah, yeah that's pretty and like too. the single roller skate yeah yeah, yeah. and the pen oh, okay. that yeah. makes way more sense and, and that's his car why- right his mm-hmm. car right right yeah okay and that's okay. why he was like you know this bed is nothing you should see what's under a queen size bed they ride the toy car across Boogie World and then find Darwin in like a nap. A sock. I thought a it was a sock. Oh, maybe it was a sock. Okay. In a mm-hmm. sock with the boogeyman carrying him along. Presumably to kill him? That's what I got. I thought he, the boogeyman was going to drop Darwin off the cliff. Yes. Oh, he tries. Right. Yeah. Right. They... Is it centrifuge? I think it's called the thing that they try to use to make the boogeyman old. Whatever. That, yeah, that sounds right. So they Larry tries to shoot it, but it becomes unplugged from the real world. It doesn't work and it fails. And now Larry's just hardcore boogeyman. boogeyman. Um, luckily, Francis is super smart and she's kind of a science nerd. So she finds a battery under the bed. And hooks up a paperclip. Yeah. It. So she kind of rigs up a power source for the centrifuge or whatever it is. Right. And in the meanwhile, there's a lot of wordplay going on between the bookie men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like at one point, I think I wrote this quote down. Let me find. Oh, here. It's not too late for me to nail you. Yeah. That was a cool quote yeah. to say to a child. And then uh, grows a super long fingernail. Yeah, and they have a sword fight. Yeah. So Larry with fun. his long fingernails is fighting. No, no, no. The bad, the boogeyman has the two fingernails fighting. 
and Larry has, has a pen. A pen. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The pen wait. is mightier than the than the nail. nail. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know about that line. Yeah. Um. Oh, first Larry does go full on boogeyman, but then Francis and Darwin kind of turn him back into Larry because Francis tells Darwin it's okay to believe in Larry. You should believe in Larry because you need him. Um, and he starts believing in Yeah, he starts Larry believing again. in Larry. He's like, Larry, help me. Larry. And then Larry. He, they have a moment where it was kind of like Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. It, he's Peter Pan. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. But Darwin can't talk at some point. Um, so Francis is like, if you believe in Larry, clap your hands. And that was a very Peter Pan moment. You believe in Larry. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Larry, yay! Yeah. So that belief turns Larry back into himself. Yeah, so he's able to fight again. And this is when... So she gets the centrifuge working again, shoots the shoots the boogeyman, and then he gets super old mm-hmm. and then kind of changes the face, but then turns right back to the boogeyman. Yes, but that change, um, the boogeyman starts calling Francis Franny. Right. And it sparks a memory and in And no her. one calls her Franny mm-hmm. except for one person. One imaginary person. Hell yeah. Yeah. We find out that the boogie man is it's actually a, a boogie person. Person. Or just a boogie woman, but boogie person. Well, no. This is, movie is well ahead of its time, and it's a boogie non-binary. So a boogie person. Fair. I want to say Franny. I don't know why I said that. Francis. Oh, because Franny was her nickname. Francis realizes that it's her imaginary friend from growing up, Zoe. Zoe. And it's like, oh, it's Zoe. Hey, Zoe. I know it's you, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Which turns that boogie person back, back into, into Zoe. Zoe. And throughout the movie, there are times where in Francis's room, there's this really creepy doll that keeps moving its head back and forth. Yes. Um, and we find out that that doll was Zoe. I don't remember that at all. Zoe was dressed the same way as the doll. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, and also Larry's dressed as a... A doll in Darwin's in, room. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I must have just missed that part. Okay. So since all of the names are significant, I don't understand the significance of Zoe. Zoe. Or is it significant because it's a completely illogical name? Well, Larry doesn't mean anything. Larry Houdini. Yeah, but Houdini's the part that yeah. Larry doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we don't know but, her last name. But you would think that they would have put some thought into her name because- Maybe that's what the, the doll's thought. name was. Yeah, but still, you would think that with a cast- of characters whose names are all so significant, they would have put a little thought into her name. So did you hear what her last name was in the credits? Did you see? No. It was Zoe Chris Angel. All right, fine. I'm kidding. I have no idea what her last name is. Oh, see, I really thought that in the credits it said Zoe Chris oh, Angel. No. Chris Angel's like <laughs> some like nobody that was basically just David Blaine for a year and probably just like shows in like Vegas or something. <sighs> All right, so it's still going to bother me that Zoe's okay. name does not have any sort of significance. Maybe we'll email the writer. And we'll yes, ask. please. So so they come back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. And not much happens, I guess. They come back. Uh, she speaks to Darwin to go over like what happened, basically. 
Darwin still sees Larry and Francis sees both of them. Can Darwin see her? Yeah, I'm assuming Darwin can see yes. Zoe, right? Yeah. And what ha- what happens after that? I don't know go outside. What happens before they go outside? Um, Because they said that they're going to go to the next town, Centerville, to help out. Yeah. So uh, I was going to say Zoe's parents. Francis' parents come in and they're like, oh, all of these things are happening in Centerville. So now we know it wasn't you. Wit and Francis is like, I forgive you. And I was like, I don't forgive you. You suck. You did not even consider what your daughter was saying at any point in time. It was so suspicious, though. And she was seeing things. She was. And they brought but, the social worker to talk with her. And then she just leaves dinner immediately. So like, they try to help out. I don't know. I still was not on the parents' side. No, of course I, not. They're very annoying people. But this is what like their the, thought process I feel like was. The mom was okay. The dad yeah. was not. And the dad also looked like a turtle. Well, we can't hold out against him. I guess. Yeah. It's just, I feel like they spoke to Francis in more of an accusatory tone rather than a Absolutely. let's try to work through what if whatever issues you're currently having tone. So, n- so did totally not, yeah, do yep. not forgive her parents and so they go outside larry and zoe are like hey we gotta go you're not gonna see us anymore we're helping out in centerville all our work's done here and then larry kisses Kisses francis Francis. what'd you think of that i mean i kind of get why they did it because they were having this whole conversation about how francis believes in them she can see them um she doesn't want them to go and they're saying like Honey, you're, you know, a teenager now. You're in high school. You are too old for an imaginary friend. Um, you don't need us. So then Larry kisses Francis. And I thought it was supposed to be kind of a coming of age moment. And she does actually say very blatantly, oh, I guess I am too old for an imaginary friend. Yeah. So it was not subtle. Yeah, that makes so, sense in that context. Yeah. Yeah. I get why they did it, but even so, I was like, ugh, of it, course. See, I felt like it seemed out of place. Because they did. didn't really flirt with each other. Like, they were just, no, like, they trying were, to solve a problem. They were bickering. Yeah. And they were, you know, they became friends. Right, But exactly. there was no, you know, romantic connection. Totally agree. So I understand what they were after, but it just did not hit home. Yeah, and I hate when that happens in movies and books where they just kind of like force the relationship yeah. upon two of the like main characters. It happened in, um, what's a Tom Hanks movie with angels and demons? What's the first one? Um, The Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Like I read that book and it was like, okay, they're just like two people trying they're, to figure out a mystery. They're colleagues. And then yeah. all of a sudden they start like a romantic thing. I was like, when did this happen? To the authors and screenwriters of the world, it's okay to have a male and a female character be just friends. Yeah, why not? The world needs more of those stories. Totally Please. Agree. I think that's pretty much the last scene, right? Just they walk off. She yeah. can't see them anymore. And mm-hmm. that's how and it And they're ends. off to Centerville yeah. to start the story over. Yep. End of movie. Credits. Good times. Good times. <laughs> that was weird. Get out of my head. All right. So the next thing we're going to do is... In general, what were your thoughts on the movie? Um, I liked the movie. I had fun watching it. Me too. Um, I thought it was an interesting premise. What do you think the moral I, of this movie was? I think it was 
you know, you don't have to grow up too fast and that it's okay to be scared. Okay. It's a normal part of growing up. Yeah. I thought it was nice that they showed a family where first there's a child that's sick. So Darwin has cancer. But I feel like most of the time when that happens, it's from the perspective of either the child that has cancer or the parents. But in this case, they showed a sibling. Yeah, that was interesting. I did yeah. like that part. And, and we don't know at first, too. Right. About the cancer part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was such an important perspective to show and to show that whatever emotions you're having, they're okay. They're normal. You should feel comfortable having them and talking about them. I totally agree with you. And also that don't always be so logical about things. Yeah. Yeah. Because feelings aren't always logical. And that's totally. okay. Totally. That's the point of feelings. Well, I'm glad we agree on that part. Yeah. And so just, this oh, is the second Disney Channel movie that's really tackled tough topics. Yeah. And it's also kind of scary, this movie. Yeah. Some parts. Mm-hmm. They did, did a good job of making a horror movie. I guess it's a horror movie, right? A horror movie that's like has some real background to it. Horror light. Yes, Just a, a, a scary movie. So some things I read about this movie online is it was, so it was released in 1999. The Boogeyman originally was supposed to be scarier than it was in this movie. I thought the Boogeyman was decently scary. I agree. I mean, really good makeup that was, you know, a little unsettling. Right, but I think it But not it- over the top. I think the boogeyman kind of looked more like, well, both of them kind of looked more like a, like if it was a play or something, what the boogeyman would look like yeah, instead of like, like an actual scary movie. Yeah, theatrical boogeyman. Right, so that's one thing they debated. And the other thing, which we were just talking about, so Larry originally, I read this on Wikipedia, so it has to be true. Larry originally was not supposed to be a black character. It was, I guess it may not have been written as like a certain race. But Larry wasn't written to be specifically a black character. Mm-hmm. And Disney was concerned about an interracial kiss between Larry and the oh, protagonist in the wow. movie. So the writer or director, I think it was the director, I'm assuming, would, like, had to push hard on Disney. Be like, let us do this. You got to let this be in the movie. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was very interesting. That is interesting. In 1999. That's insane. That is insane. And like, we both thought the kiss was weird. Obviously not because of the races of the characters, but just because it kind of just seemed like thrown in there. So I wonder if they planned it so they just had to take it out. It, like if they didn't kiss, it wouldn't have changed anything about the movie whatsoever. Right. So I wonder if that was why they kind of did it like that. You know what? That makes sense. In case I, they had to just like probably... pull that last scene. Hey, we got to pull the scene. We'll keep everything besides that. So I wonder if that's what happened. But good for him to like stick up for himself and say, no, the scene's going to be in here. Now I'm now I'm glad in there because it was an important step. I totally agree. Yeah. And just some other things about the characters. So the character that played Harry, the character, the actor who played <laughs> Larry is named Eric Hodges. And he was also in a ton of episodes of Even Stevens. And when we were watching it. I was like, this guy looks so familiar. And I was like, all right, there you go. He was one of their classmates. I liked him. He was I thought he so, did a good job. He was such a good actor. He was funny. Very funny. Like, I mean, the stunts, I don't know if, obviously, we don't know if he was doing them, but 
Very funny. I like funny. to think that he was doing them. Did a ton of stuff. Was like holding up everything. Like she was an okay actress. Like no issues with her or Francis at all. But like he was doing a ton of the work. Like heavy lifting. And every scene. Because like people don't see him. So he has to do a ton of stuff that like they're not interacting with. He was great. Where Where is he now? What's he doing? Let's find he out. He was in other things. I was like I did nothing that really stood out. I don't know. And then the younger brother. Darwin. Darwin. This is the last movie he was ever in. He was like, eh, I'm, I peaked. I'm done. He was like seven, nine, however old he was. You know what? It's good to know. <laughs> it's good to recognize when you've uh, you've done what you can do. Incredible. Good for him. So let's get to our questions. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? I will start. Okay. What would you have changed in this movie? The thing I would have changed, which is weird... I swear it's not because it's an interracial kiss, but the kiss just seemed out of place. And I wish they had like either more flirting earlier on or some indication. I guess it kind of was an indication that she thought he was cute in the beginning when he was laying on the rock and looking at her. Yeah. But besides that, there was for the nothing. entire hour and 45 minutes or hour and a half, whatever, between those two scenes, there was nothing to indicate. There's any sort of like romantic thing between the two of them, which I guess wasn't like a romantic kiss, but whatever. So I would probably just add in more stuff. Yeah, a little bit of build up. To make it make more sense. What would you have changed? The library scene. The librarian Uh, wasn't mean enough? uh, It was awful. It was too on the nose? (laughs) We're getting a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how librarians act. That's not what story time is like. Well, that's not what story time was like as of six months ago. Maybe in the 90s it was like that. You don't know. I do know. You know what libraries are like in the 90s in terms of story time? I guess you kind of went to story time, I'm guessing, as a kid, right? I mean, I wasn't in story time when I was 10, but I feel like if that's not what story time was like. Before that. Before that, that's not what story time was like then. Um, Yeah, the library scene bothered me because it's not, it's an unfair portrayal of librarians and libraries. Although they did find the book they needed. Oh, they also mentioned the card catalog, which was kind of yes, fun. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if p- kids who are watching it today will be like, oh, what? A lot of library nomenclature. What? So that part was fun. What two characters would you ship together? Um. So I had two answers for this. Okay. Uh, the first one was jo- Joanne and Bert. Me too. That was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention any of that, but she had a crush on him. And then the boogeyman put flowers in their front yard mm-hmm. that said, Joe loves Bert. And yeah. she got mad at her, which is maybe why we didn't see her for a while after that part. We didn't see her at, all, at all after that. <laughs> yeah. Joanne was gone. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Bert rides his bike past them at one point. He's like, hey, Amber. Yeah. And I think I know. turned yeah. to you and was like, I thought her name was joanne he has no idea who she is yeah yeah i it made me confused that was very funny yeah um but yeah i feel like joanne needs her moment so joanne and bert the two characters who we see for five minutes at the beginning of the movie and never see again totally agree um and then the other ship i had was the guidance counselor and the principal the guy oh okay like when that meeting across the table from each other okay I could see I just, it. you know, I felt like they needed to be together. Also, he loved tigers. Oh, there were so many tigers He's everywhere. the tiger king of the school. Yes, he's Joe Exotic. Yeah. And she's Carol Baskin. 
No. No, she's not. She's she's not that bad. She's definitely not killing anyone. She definitely has the student's best Maybe interest at Maybe she's Carol Baskin, and he's Carol Baskin's former husband. She's going to kill the principal? No, she didn't kill him. Oh. Didn't you hear her say she of didn't course. kill him of and course. feed him to the tigers? Oh, I forgot that. I forgot. She yeah. absolutely didn't do that. Not, didn't Allegedly. Um, but yeah, I just felt like uh, they were both over the top in different ways. So they would uh, even yeah, each other out. For sure. Mm-hmm. Did you have anyone besides uh, Joanne and Bert? Just those two. Yeah. Good choice. For the mm. couple to be. <laughs> um, what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene. I really enjoyed all of them being in, I want to say Halloween Town, in Boogie World, whatever it's called. That's what I put too. But most especially the, the fight scene, obviously, at the end. Oh, see, I put Boogie World, but because I thought it was very clever. Yeah. That boogie world is just everything that's ever been lost under your bed it's is very what cool. happens yeah. in boogie world. Absolutely. And like the giant sandwich. Like where did my nine volt battery go? Yeah. Oh, it's in boogie world. Yeah. So when you are looking for something and you're like, I could have sworn I just saw it. I feel like it fell under the bed, but it's not under the bed. It's in boogie world. Totally. That's where all of the one single socks are. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Your younger brother's being kidnapped in one of those socks as we speak <laughs> your younger wait is that why i don't have a younger brother i'm not telling what and the last one we has is have is who would you most want to hang out with for the movie we definitely have the same answer oh what, larry yeah 100 oh you'd be so entertained no one else there's yeah. no one else i want to no hang out close with. no one's even close no larry's the only cool and fun character. One hundred percent. All right, not, not worth getting into. It's too obvious. So I guess we'll do hot seat now. Mm-hmm. Okay, hot seat again. You or me go first. Uh, you go first. Okay. So my first question is: Did you ever have any recurring nightmares as a child? And if so, what? This is a very personal question. Um, I have had a recurring nightmare. Um, it's not exactly the same, but always ends the same. Okay. So in this nightmare, I'm in a situation where, uh, for some reason, I'm with other people and something bad happens and I'm usually attacked and I end up on my stomach and whoever is attacking me to keep me down just shoves their elbow in the small of my back. So it's like police arresting you and subduing you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then like. You still have these? Or, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I'll wake up and like my back hurts and it feels like someone shoved their elbow in the small of my back. That's so bizarre. Huh. So if anyone interprets dreams out there, please uh, leave a comment and tell me what that means. Because I've been having these dreams since I was little. So like on that topic, though. So do you want me to stop putting the cinder blocks in your back while you're sleeping? Or do you want me to keep doing that? Um, you know what? If you could stop, I would appreciate it. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll try that out <laughs> and see what happens. Thank you. Yeah. Trial yeah. and error. Very logical. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, I've uh, also had, a, you know, like the falling dream. And you yeah, just no, keep falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now I want to know, do you have or have you had a reoccurring nightmare? So as a kid, I had one based upon Are You Afraid of the Dark, which we mentioned. No, sorry, Goosebumps, based on Goosebumps, 
with the dummy. We showed. Remember, I watched that one. Yeah, the and that the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't that specifically. It was with the dummy itself. So it was kind of like Saw, and that the dummy was like on a tricycle kind of thing. But this is before Saw even existed. When I was a kid, and the dummy would always be chasing me, and there's like a pit of fire in the middle. I just be like running and running, just like in circles, to just keep chasing me. Wait, so, so I, were you doing a Spartan race and the dummy was chasing you? Pretty much, yeah. Before, cool. This was before Spartan race existed, but pretty much. And I don't, I like talked to a doctor. I think it was just at the doctor for like some other like shots or whatever. And I mentioned it to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, you should bring like a bat to bed with you to fight it. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've heard in my entire life. So that night I brought a bat to bed, like this bat I would use for baseball. I was like eight years old, probably had the same nightmare that same night and the dummy same thing chasing me and i had the bat with me in my dream and i like smashed the dummy's head off and it stopped chasing me and i never had that nightmare again the remainder of my life that's great i that's, have no what a idea great how doctor and like why would the doctor know that who knows insane that that insane that the doctor would even propose that and also insane that it worked I mean, 10 stars to that doctor. That Tell was oh. fantastic. Incredible. Incredible work for that doctor. I'm sure that doctor makes a ton of money, but they deserve a raise. <laughs> All right. So what was your uh, your first one? When you were growing up or any time during your life, were you a prankster? I don't recall ever pulling pranks. I think I was just very unserious. So I'd like jerk around with people. But I can't remember specifically pranking other people. I'm sure like me and my brother and stuff would do like just joke around with him. But I can't remember anything specifically. Yeah, same. I feel like I was just a jokey kind of person. Yeah. I definitely talked to people about pranks and like if we were going to do a prank, this is what we would do. Um, But we never, in my recollection, never pulled a prank. I think I'd be nervous, like, getting in trouble. I don't know. Yeah. So my second hot seat is what's the scariest thing you've ever watched? Whether it be a movie, real life, whatever. Um, Probably the Freddy Krueger movies. You've seen those? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. How yeah. old were you? I was in seventh grade. Oh, wow. You yeah. were really young, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched them with some friends at a sleepover. And I think that those were the scariest movies I watched. Although I will say that when The Ring came out, I saw it with a group of friends oh my God, in the ring was movie terrifying. theater. Um, I think I wasn't that scared because I was with friends. But after everyone came back to my house and we watched TV, we turned the TV off, we're getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, the TV turned back onto static. Oh, no. And that's what freaked us out. We were that's like, oh, we're going to die. Yeah, I think that's, So we were fine until that happened. I think that's 100% the scariest movie I've seen in the theater was The Ring. I've seen other scary movies, but not in the movie theater. I did, in college, go to see Saw with some friends. but, but That's not like scary. It's just like gross. Yeah. Right? And by that time, I had was completely turned off to scary movies. Oh, okay. um so i don't think i actually watched any of it i just looked down at my lap the whole time were you scared from that one scene in um we saw it last year we saw it this year like right before the pandemic 
Parasite? Parasite. Did that one scene freak you out? Don't say it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but... Um, it was more like a, I was startled. Dude, that, I thought that was legit scary, that scene. But it was like, it was a jump scare. Yeah, not for like sure, a... for sure. See, I hate jump scares more than anything. I could watch scary movies that don't have jump scares and be fine. I think for that particular scene, I didn't know that exact thing was going to happen. But I had a sense that something was going to happen. Sure. So my mind was already preparing me. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, that movie was so good. It was really good. Everyone go out and see Parasite. But make sure you're in the right, a Parasite kind of mood. No, like if you're I would in see the mood, it any day. I'd watch that movie any day. I would say if you're in the mood for a rom-com, don't watch, watch Parasite. Parasite. <laughs> then watch Parasite. Okay, yeah, we agree. We agree. Okay. Did you do your second question? Or that was my second? Uh, that was your second. Okay. What's your um, other question? Of course, have you ever had an imaginary friend? I think it's like the movie in that I probably did, but I don't remember specifically. I remember my sister had an imaginary friend. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, Devin. I'm sorry. That was named Jerry, which didn't make Not any Jerry, sense. Not Jerry, Jerry. Jerry. Okay. And Jerry had a house in the middle of the street in front of our house. And that's all I remember about Jerry. And I'm pretty sure that's a name. I could be wrong, but... That's all I recall. But I don't remember specifically myself having an imaginary friend. Did you ever believe in anything that turned out to be imaginary, like Santa or the Tooth Fairy or anything like that? Oh, I'm sure I remember. I believed in the Tooth Fairy and stuff like that and Santa. Maybe not Santa, but definitely the Tooth Fairy, 100%. How about you? I also am fairly confident that I had an imaginary friend at some point, but I don't uh, remember anything about them. So this isn't like an imaginary friend thing. When we would go on road trips, what I would do, I'd play like games while looking outside the window to keep myself occupied. Mm -hmm. Would you do that too? Yeah. So one game I would do is when we were driving on a street that had power lines that like with a wooden pole, whatever, with the black lines like looping down a little bit. I'd pretend there was a monkey climbing across and I would like, make it do tricks in my mind. So like, obviously that's like an imaginary thing. I wouldn't say imaginary friend because I never hung out with the monkey. I just want to make that clear. I never hung out with the monkey. <laughs> I would just watch it climb on the power Did wires the monkey while eat we're itself? Driving. What was that? Did the monkey eat itself? <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter told me she ate the monkey, but I'm pretty sure the monkey ate itself. <laughs> No one's gonna have any idea what we're talking about. Except for the three people that saw Borat and listened to this. this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't remember the monkey ever eating itself, which is good. I don't know. You want to hear a story about someone else uh, losing their innocence in regards to like believing in things? Did you do something to your brother? No. It's even better. All right, go for it. So my one of my best friends growing up had a younger brother. He was maybe four years younger than us. And I used to go to their house every year for Christmas and Easter. And I remember one year, uh, my friend's mom called me and my friend and her younger brother over because her even younger cousins were coming over. And her mom says to us, now, like, don't tell them that the Easter Bunny isn't real because they still believe in the Easter Bunny. Was it Easter? Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
I went over for Easter okay. and her family was coming over. Um, and I want to say I was probably in high school. So her little brother was probably in middle school. And then the cousins were in elementary school. Okay. So my friend and I were like, yeah, of course, we're not going to tell them the Easter Bunny's not real. And her younger brother, completely serious, goes, the Easter Bunny's not real. How Wait, so he was in middle school? Yeah, time? and he still believes oh, the Easter Bunny. No. And her mom did not realize that he still thought the Easter Bunny was real and crushed him. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Wow, what a devastating day on Easter, nonetheless. Oh, I do not envy that mm-hmm. kid. No. Well, Hanukkah Harry's real, so. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, a couple other quick things. So the director of this movie also wrote D3 Mighty Ducks. A movie that I have not seen. you never seen? Have you seen any of the Mighty Ducks movies? I probably have seen the first one. Oh, my God. Joanna. Quack. Quack. This is the most angry I've ever been about Quack. you. Incredible. And he also directed Xenon. Ooh. So we probably mentioned that when we watched Xenon at first, but didn't remember because I'd never seen this movie. Oh, this also this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Oh, so how did it stack up to the other movies that you have not seen that we've watched so far? I think it's one of the Obviously. better ones, I would say. It was fun. It was a little creepy. It was a little scary. And I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, overall, I thought this was a it was a fine movie. So I've been looking forward to this moment the entire time. Okay. So every episode, we oh do predi- you do predictions because you yeah. haven't seen the movies. And so I you, don't look anything up. Right. And so you don't remember what you said last time, right? No. About prediction about this and movie? you looked up what I said and I did not. Okay. So this is what you predicted. Okay. Pretty much the entire thing, almost word for word. So you said you thought this movie would involve the boogeyman. Did I? You literally said the word boogeyman. <gasps> oh was one of the first things you said. Yes. You said there was a monster under the bed, which it's called don't look under the bed. So that's, yeah. that's fair. Okay. Understandable. This, this part's wrong. You said there was a male protagonist. He would have two male friends and a female friend. So that part was off, but whatever. Well, there were like two kind of important male characters, Darwin and Larry, and a female, Francis. Yes. So I didn't get the yes. protagonist in order. You said but... in high school, but younger in high school. So that was spot on. <gasps> yes. Joanna, get this. I'm so amazing I asked this. you what the conflict would be in this movie. Okay. And you said the conflict was... They get sucked into a portal (laughs) under the bed. Yeah. I'm amazing. And then I asked, is it scary? And you said a little scary (gasps) with a few jump scares. You literally, you couldn't have been closer about the entire premise of this movie. I'm so good at this game. It was like, I was like, and I, freak, think I was Jean- freaking out. You could testify to this. I was freaking out listening to you talking about it because it was so spot on. Like, I thought just the boogeyman was insane that you mentioned that. The fact that you said that you get sucked into a portal under the bed is literally this movie. Uh, listeners can't see, but I'm dancing in celebration right now. You also said that there's dogs on roofs at one point. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But everything and, else, one hundred percent. And someone's car gets massively egged. So ridiculous! Oh man, I cannot believe I was pretty spot on. It, it, not even like, pretty. Even, that was the movie. You said what the movie was. The combination of characters. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so good at this. Insane. All right. So All right. This is what's the next? next? One. Give me the next one. This one is. We called won't even have to watch it. Horse sense. <laughs> what? 
watch horse. I've seen this movie. It's called Horse Sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are so many things that this could be. <laughs> now you got to continue also- your record of just being spot on. Oh, man. I feel like the stakes are really high right now. I mean, it's obviously a horse movie. Like, there's a character, probably a female character, who loves horses. Um, I'm going to guess that this character can somehow communicate with horses. Um, I don't know if she can ends up actually being able to talk to horses or if she's like the horse whisperer, something like that. And what's the conflict in this movie? It's either going to be that her parents are falling on hard times and they need to sell the horse that she has a connection with. Or maybe she's moving from like a farm town, like a ranch kind of place into a big city and she can't have a horse. Okay, so it's basically you lucky dog crossed with Johnny Tsunami. Yeah. Okay. Cross with Xenon because she also goes from the moon to Earth. Okay. And rides a horse for the first time. That's true. So maybe it's just. Do you think Xenon's in this movie? Yeah, it's just the scene where Xenon is riding the horse stretched out for a whole movie. That'd be cool. I'd watch that. It's like Benji with horses. Oh my God. All right. So we'll uh, take that consideration for the next episode. And there will, there might be a kiss between the horse and the girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's, yeah, I guess it's possible. Anything else you want to add before we uh, go? Uh, Make sure that you put the covers over your head when you go to sleep tonight. (laughs) Bye-bye.